Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Real Live Talk. I'm so pumped that you're here to check out this conversation. I would like to mention something to you. I don't typically plug my own stuff at the beginning of the podcast here, but I do want to let you know that coming up on August the 9th, 2022, I am going to be teaching a 100% free class. That class is called Demystifying Faith, and it's really just going to be a practical guide to understanding some biblical principles of faith. I just feel like sometimes we over-pedestalize faith. We've mystified faith to be something that's reserved for a few elite Christians. And I think with faith, we have this tendency to compare ourselves to other and say, oh, I wish I had faith like so-and-so, or I could never have faith like that. And maybe there's a desire within you to step out more in faith, whether that's in terms of believing God for miracles, or if it's believing God for a project or a ministry or a business or something that you feel like he's been moving on your heart about, or whatever. Faith is practical, and faith is for every single believer. Real faith, powerful faith. Jesus told his disciples that, well, actually, the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, give us more faith or increase our faith. And Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and moved over there. I'm paraphrasing. But the point is that it's not even so much about how much faith do you have. I don't have enough faith for that. I could never do that because I don't have enough or the right kind of faith, or I feel like I have no faith. Believe me, I've been there where I feel like I have no faith, but guess what? That's not what the Bible says. <laughs> the Bible says, Romans 12, 3, God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. And so uh, this is just going to be a one night only class, August the 9th. It's a Tuesday night. It's going to be on Zoom, 7 p.m. Central Time. It's going to go from 7 till about 8.30. And uh, it's going to be like a fire hose, to be honest with you. I've I've got enough um, material on this subject to teach uh, several episodes. <laughs> episodes. I'm not talking right. Uh, for this to be a multi-week class. But I want to try to do as much as possible in one night. Uh, but anyway, it's open for everybody. You're welcome to uh, join us for that class. All you have to do is register. You can use the link that is on my Facebook page, on my Facebook profile, and uh, you can check that out there. So you can also email me at duke at simplepowermedia.com if you're not connected with me on social media. And again, it's 100% free. You just have to register so that I know how to send you the Zoom link to your email address and stuff like that. I hope you join us. I'd love for you to join us. It's going to be a good time. That having been said, uh, my guest for this episode is Reverend Mark Sowersby. You're going to hear Pastor Mark's story um, about his childhood and the just extreme, extreme level of abuse that he experienced every day of his life as a kid, and uh, really just the, the grace of God and God's redemptive work in his life to bring healing and uh, to lead Mark through a, a process of forgiveness. And it's really beautiful. Pastor Mark has written a book called Forgiving the Nightmare. He has a ministry called Forgiving the Nightmare. And uh, he's also been a pastor for a number of years. He's been an ordained minister with the Assembly of God for more than 25 years, currently the pastor of Calvary Community Church in Dudley, Massachusetts. And uh, again, really just an incredible story. I just met Mark really for the first time here, 
and just had a beautifully fun conversation. He is a Red Sox fan, and I'm a Yankees fan, so that caused a little bit of friction right at the beginning. <laughs> Not really, but it was a really, really good time. I appreciate you guys for being here. I hope that this conversation challenges you, blesses you, makes you think, and I really, really hope that you enjoy it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this episode, this conversation with Pastor Mark Sowersby. All right. Mark Sowersby, Pastor Mark, I just said your name wrong. I just asked you two seconds ago. Pastor Mark Sowersby, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. No problem. We'll get that out of the way. Let's um, let me start over. Pastor Mark Sowersby, thank you so much for joining me today. It's such an honor to have you on the podcast. We just talked a few moments ago for just a few minutes. And uh, so this is really our first conversation ever, and I'm just excited to hear about you and your life and your ministry and uh, just the story of God's healing and redemption that's taken place um, in you, in your life. And uh, so just thank you so much for coming by and being here with me today. Well, Appreciate thanks it. for having me on. I know we've connected a little bit here on Facebook, talked a little bit today, and it's an honor to be with you and be on your show and be able to speak to you and your audience today. So I appreciate the opportunity to share my testimony and uh, as I say often, may the Lord be glorified. So again, thank you mm. so much for having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know you just told me a minute ago, but remind me, are you in, you're in Massachusetts or where are you located? I am. I live right on the corner of three states. I am in three states every day, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, <laughs> and Connecticut. I mean, I can be, in, I, I literally live in Connecticut. I pastor and wrote pastor in Massachusetts, but my wife works in Rhode Island. And it's very common for anybody in this area to go in and out of these states quite a bit. So I am a New Englander. I'm born and raised Massachusetts. So I say Ka and Dora. You know, that means the Patriots okay. on my yeah. team. You know, I get it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I got the accent, you know, where do we put a boat? We put the boat in the harbor, you know, that's how I yes. talk here, you know. Go Red Sox, even though they're not looking good this year. Uh, but, you know, I'm a Red Sox fan through and through. You know, Tom Brady broke my heart when he left for Florida. But, you know. He broke your hat. Broke my heart. There you go. That's right. There you go. That's right. Oh, I love it. I love awesome. the accent, man. It's great. Wicked awesome. That's what I say. It's That's wicked right. awesome. Wicked awesome. We serve a wicked awesome God, bro. That's right. And my name's Mark, not Mark. There's no R in my name. It's Mark. Hey, Mark. What's Mac. going on? Yeah. That's how. That's how I live. love it. That's love where it. we're. Well, I've got to break some bad news to you, man. Um, I'm from New Jersey, and I'm a lifelong Yankees fan. I gotta go. Does that just like end everything right <laughs> that's there? Just, you know, that just that you know, I, I I pastored in New York for a while, brother Duke, and it was hard for me to find people that could be on our leadership team. Because they were all Yankee fans, and obviously <laughs> they didn't hear from God. So now I'm right. playing, I'm playing. Right. There goes the mean emails. I get it. No, I. It's a lot of fun uh, when you can have a fun batter going back and forth between Yankee and Red Sox fans. This year, it's all you guys. You guys can have a you killing know, it. Just killing it, man. it, but. You you guys were looking great um, at the going back to you know June. You know think things were really kicking up, but um, yeah. It's a big yeah. deficit to overcome. Thank, thank, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Let's move on. Come on. I'm Let's, just trying. I'm just, yeah, I think yeah. this is what Paul was talking about, you know, when he said neither Jew nor Greek slave, nor like neither Yankee fan nor Red Sox fan. Like I'm pretty right. sure 
I'm pretty sure that's what he was getting at. You know, the ministry's brought me to a lot of different places. And the only other rivalry that I've ever seen this strong, other than Red Sox and Yankees, is when I was living in Ohio, uh, Ohio mm-hmm. State and Michigan. Uh, when I was yeah. in Ohio, they didn't even yeah. mention the name. They said the team from up north. So they had the same kind of rivalry, which I, I kind of respected a little bit. So, yeah. you know, I stayed with Ohio State because it's red, like the Red Sox. So. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm losing half the audience here. Now a whole state's not gonna buy my book or listen to my ministry. New York's done, Michigan's done. I get it. Come on, Tom Brady was from Michigan. So I had this, you know, the love and hate relationship yeah. going on. So Yeah, no, it's yeah, no, it's crazy. No, yeah. man, our 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 uh I, I think our love in Christ trumps okay, um, yeah. you know, trumps it good trumps segue. baseball. Good segue. You know, I, a great I job. think it's I think <laughs> I think it's good, but I do just want to say, if I didn't say this already, I'm I'm honored to have you on the podcast today. I, I appreciate it. I've been uh, reading your book, and I'm excited to get into that conversation and just kind of see where things go. Um, if you would, just before we jump into the specific stuff, could you just share a little bit uh, just about who you are and what you do currently? Sure. Uh, again, you know, I'm a New England guy. I live up here in Connecticut, pastor in Massachusetts. I'm a father of four. I'm married. It's going to be a 19 years coming up. Congratulations. Uh, you know, so thank you. So, you know, we're just trying to live a life where we, we pastor a real church that serves a perfect God. Uh, we're just real people loving Jesus. So yeah. I, I'd like to think I'm the regular average Joe kind of guy paying the high gas bills like everybody else and trying to get through the day, loving my neighbor. And you know, there's nothing special about me. And uh, all I have is I serve a great, big, awesome God that called me to do yeah to write a book and to share a testimony and to let people know if God could set a guy like me free, he could set anybody free. So uh, there's yes. no fame or fortune. I don't have any visions of grandeur. I know who I am and who I ain't, as they say, but I, I serve a great God. So and I like to think I'm a normal guy. My kids think I'm not cool anymore, but I told them <laughs> in the 80s, the mullets were cool and I had one. Okay. Come on. Yeah, come on. I'm an 80s teenager. That's right. I rock Z's. The jean jackets had to have a patch on it. I mean, we just didn't wear work boots. We wore boots, and there was a certain style. We had to walk with a certain Mm -hmm. kind of slapping of the boots as they – so, you know, I had it all 85, 86, 87. Man, I was cool. Now my kids say no. No, no, no. Uh, it doesn't transfer over the same way, uh, I guess, right? No, it doesn't really. Con- yeah. No, just forget it. Just yeah, yeah. Those credits it. don't transfer; they no. stay in the eighties, no. unfortunately. Well, when I look in the mirror, boom, I'm ready. So yeah, well, I'm a regular guy. That's let I like yeah. to think think I am. I got my own problems and my own insecurities and fears that I deal with every day, just like everybody else. Yeah, Whew. love it, man. Yeah, so good. Uh, the book that you wrote is called Forgiving the Nightmare. And um, as we kind of jump into a uh, l- little bit about what the book is about and everything else, let, let's let's back up. And um, if you could share um, about a uh, little bit about your childhood so that we can talk about your testimony and what God has has done and what God has brought you through and, and the healing and redemption that God has brought into your life. Um, you know, I, I had no idea 
I think that we had we had connected a little bit just on Facebook with some messages and I had an idea, you know, I knew that you had written the book on forgiveness and I and I knew that there was there were some things there in your past, but I, I had very surface knowledge. And as I got in and started reading the book and started discovering just the unbelievable, really unspeakable um, abuse that you experienced at such a young age, um, it's really an incredible story. And uh, man, so yeah, if you could just share a little bit sure. about um, getting into that and then, uh, yeah. Sure, no problem. Uh, you know, we wrote the book and I call it Forgiving the Nightmare. It's a name God gave me years ago. There's a whole story and how God gave it to me at an altar. I was afraid, I was nervous, I'm a dyslexic. Here I am, a young preacher in Bible school. I'm out on, I'm in Canada of all places. We have an altar call because that's what we do in our faith tradition. People are lining up. I'm praying over people. My knees are getting weak. My palms are getting sweaty. I'm thinking, Lord, what are you? What's a guy like me doing in a place like this? And the Lord mm. said, Mark, you got a testimony. And I said, Well, Lord, you know, I, I want to give it to you. And and at that moment, the Lord said, Someday you're going to write it down. I was young. I was in my 20s. Again, I didn't know which way was up. I couldn't get my way out of a paper bag. I was just riddled with all kinds of stuff. And the Lord said, you're going to write it down. And me, a man of great faith, I said, oh, yeah, God, if this is from you, because you might have forgotten, God, I'm a dyslexic. I'm a special mm -hmm. ed student. I'm not really an academic or somebody who really can strive in those type of things. And I said, Lord, if this is really from you in my early 20s, if this idea, this thought, this, this calling is really from you, if this really I'm going to write it down, what am I going to call it? And he said, you'll call it Forgiving the Nightmare. It took years for that book to manifest, if you would, to come out, to become, um, We I lost my mom a couple of years ago to COVID, and, and that was just kind of the mm. season that brought everything up. But what it's about is, first I call it forgiving the nightmare, because we all have a nightmare. I don't care if it's a, a nightmare like mine that grew up in child abuse for seven years, from seven to 14. I was abused in every way, shape, or form, and we'll get into that. But we all have a nightmare. We all have a trauma. That, that tries to capture us, tries to hold us back, tries to steal from us the victory and the identity that Christ gives us. And many of us have brought it to the altar. We've prayed on it. We've, we've claimed scripture. We know God can. And we wake up Monday morning after going to church or wake up after doing the prayer and that, that old familiar feeling of pain and hurt and regret and sorrow mm -hmm. and insecurity all rises up. So I kind of wrote this book talking about the journey of forgiveness that that I think is like a hand in a glove. You got to have the spiritual stuff, right? We got to have prayer. We got to have we got to have the word of God. We got to have the spirit of God. We got to have all those things, of course. But what do you do? What's the practical side? You know, what, how do I put those things together? So, forgive the nightmare. I'll start with my nightmare. At seven years old, my mom married a man that was twenty years her younger. Uh, my mom came from a background of hurt, pain, rejection. In the time I was seven, she was just so lost in her own pain, looking for, as the old song says, love in all the wrong places. Uh, she ran into this toxic, this abusing, this, this person who came into my life, and I was the object of his abuse. And from the age of seven to 14, he abused my body in every way, shape, and form. He abused me sexually, emotionally, physically. He abused me in every way a man could be abused. He stole from me my dignity, my self-respect, and my value. And he left me, as I said several times, with those insecurities and fears. 
At, seven, at 14 years old, I found a defender. I, I told my mother's brother, and uh, he defended me with his words, his actions, and his love. And he rescued me from that home. The abuse of my body never happened again. I was never sold to another. I was never stabbed. And I was never beat after that again. But then the journey started because for a long time, most of my life, I was still tethered to that past. I was still being trapped by the same familiar fears. And, and I came to know Christ at 16, that, that cool kid in the 80s, I, you know, ran oh, yeah. into a youth group and they just loved on me and, and, and just showed me Christ's love and the youth pastor you know, it was the 80s. He spoke in words I understood. It wasn't King James. You know, it was just, hey, Jesus loves you. And I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I wish I could tell you that was the day everything got perfect. That was the day that everything started. Uh, wow. And, you know, starting on that journey of forgiveness and grace. And, and I felt everything everybody else felt. I felt anger. I felt confusion. I felt rejected. I wanted revenge. Mm. I was... I had hate. I had everything. Of course, I'm human. But yeah. through the years, and I say that very honestly, through the years, step by step, some steps were greater than others. Some steps were one step forward and two steps back. But through the journey, I can say today, I've forgiven those who have trespassed against me. Wow. So that's a little bit of the story of forgiving the nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's no, just it's incredible. incredible. It you're you're uh, you're definitely a preacher, Mark. <laughs> uh, but you know what I love? I love your joy, and I love just the the love of Jesus that just kind of exudes from you. And what it tells me is that you've really you've really walked through healing. And I know, as you said, that it's been a journey. It's been a process. You don't you know you, you haven't done it perfectly. Sometimes it's a step forward, a couple steps back. Sometimes you know it's it's all of that, right? But but your the, the fact that you've allowed Jesus to come in and to heal you and to bring that healing into your life, it's just um, it's such a beautiful thing. And obviously now it's become something that you can speak so freely and openly about. Uh, the only way that that happens is when true healing has taken place. Uh, amen. Right? Amen. 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 Yeah. So. Man. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say exactly the joy that I have. Uh, you know, I'm having a good day. Any day. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, it's all about perspective, bro. Right. So the day you know, I know what a bad day is like. I, I know what it's like to walk into the house and get a baseball bat in the face. I know what it's like to to feel the stab of an object that pierces your body when you don't deserve it. I know what it's like to be held down and have your innocence stole from you. And I don't say that to be colorful, but those are yeah. those, that was my reality. Uh, so, you know, on this side of it, God loves me. I get three squares a day. I got a beautiful girl that calls me her husband. Hey, you know, God, I'm, I'm living the dream, man. You know, so yeah, you know, praise God. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just something that, that kind of stuck out to me. And I, and I know this from, from, uh, reading your book is the, the part about how, well, first of all, this this cycle of abuse went on, as you said, from the age of seven to the age of 14. Some point along that journey, um, 
your your mom found out, right? She knew yeah. what, what was going on. I, I, I'm I'm not totally sure on all the details, mm-hmm. um, but I know that you've talked about that as well, about the, the process of not just forgiving your abuser and, and all of that, but, but that process of forgiving your mom walking through that as well. I'm just curious because I know that now as an adult and looking back and you've gone through so just so much restoration and God has redeemed and even that relationship with your mom, which we could talk about as well. Um, but, you know, I know now you can look on that and you even alluded to it a moment ago where you said, you know, my, my mom came through, came from a situation of her own where she had her own past and it was kind of a, a, a normal thing for her to look for love in the wrong places. And it, yeah. and it opened her up to these abusive type relationships or to relationships with people that did not have good intentions. Mm-hmm. And but I would just, uh, of course, as a kid going through it you're not able to process you don't know about all that you can't you know give your let your mom off the hook because you don't even know what's going on in her mind and all that kind of stuff and so i'm just curious as a kid having gone through this and at some point knowing that there were people in your life that loved you that knew about what was going on but almost kind of turning a blind eye or pretending it wasn't happening as was kind of the normal thing for that generation to do. Sure, I think in a lot sure, of ways, sure. Just, what was, what was that like? I mean, as, as a kid trying to process all of that and knowing not just that you were being abused by someone who didn't really ultimately care about you, but that the people that were supposed to be there protecting you were not, were not stepping into yeah, that role. Of you know, I, I like how you, I like how you kind of phrase that, you know, first of all, there's the, there's the, uh, you know, the 2020 view, you look back as an adult, you've been yeah, through yeah. things, you kind of look back. And that's probably where I can speak from it much clearer and concisely through looking back. When you're in it, you, I don't think you have time to process it. You know, in a lot of ways, I tell people I wasn't raised, I learned to survive. You know, I, mm. I, I wasn't, I wasn't taught things out. I would learn to duck. You know, I learned when to speak yeah. and not to speak. Yeah. I, I could feel the I could feel the vibe in the room. I knew what kind of day it was by the way my abuser would sigh, uh, the breath that my abuser would take in and out. I knew what kind of day the the way the he, the threshold crackled when he came into my room. I knew what kind of beating I was going to get. So again, as a child. Uh, you're just building systems of protection. You're not reasoning or trying to figure out why is something is why it is. You're just saying, how do I not bleed today? How do I not get mm-hmm. my nose broken today? How do I not get raped today? Do I hide? Do I run? Do I, do I, do I, do I be silent? Do I speak out? Do I, you know, what kind of, what do I have to do to survive for the day? So then you grow and you start going through the process and you learn as an adult and as Christians, we bring Christ into all that. So now when I speak of it, I speak back and as with the 2020 view, the money morning quarterback view. Yeah. Let me first yeah. say my forgiveness for my mom does not excuse or negate her neglect towards me. Um, mm, she has to answer to that to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, my forgiveness is, is not uh, saying, mom, you're off the hook. Or mom, it was okay. My forgiveness is is just simply that, mom, I forgive you. Her and God will have to work out what was and what wasn't. That's between her and God. What happened is I had to realize, and it helped me understand, it didn't make it easy. It didn't make it right. Let me say that very clearly. 
It didn't make it easy. It didn't make it right. It just helped me understand realizing that my mom came from a generation where they didn't talk about things. I bet there's people listening today that came from that same generation. No, you never took anything outside the home. You always put on the plastic smile. Uh, everything was okay. You never let people know your dirty laundry. You know, you all handled everything in-house. You didn't go outside with it. And that was my mother's generation. And not only was it not spoken about outside the house, it was not spoken inside the house. So mm -hmm. when I finally confronted my mother, say, hey, mom, my mom, my body's being abused. She just didn't have the makeup. Didn't mean it's right. It didn't mean it, it was correct. It just what it, it is what it was. She didn't have the mental capability or the emotional capability to be able to know how to deal with that. Now, today, there's advocacy and support and awareness and all kinds right. of groups. But back then, there wasn't. I think I came from that last generation where those things weren't talked about. And, you know, it happened all the time. You just didn't talk about it. So my mom just wasn't equipped. So for, to help me to forgive her, I had to understand it. And, and I do in the sense to know that my mom was broken. See, my mom was looking... As we said, she was looking for love in all the wrong places. My mom, for a long was very, she desired to have a man that was confident. And I think mm -hmm. she kept mistaking um, uh, arrogance for confidence. And sure. she would meet these men that were, were very arrogant, very uh, damaging. And they thought of themselves much more than they thought of other people. So I was born from an right. affair. I didn't know my dad. So I came to the place to say, you know, I only have one mom. And it doesn't mean it was a kumbaya moment. We had healthy boundaries. Uh, you know, we had what we had. But I had a relationship, and I truly could say I forgave her before God. Mm. I, I hope this question's okay. Uh, sure. what, was, what, what would you say was the more either complex or, you know, challenging process of forgiveness to walk through was it um would you say it was more more challenging to walk through the process of forgiving the, your abuser or or going through that process of forgiving your mom well they both they both are very difficult in their own way sure. uh, you know they're both deep and uh you know very very honest in its own way you have to kind of deal with it so it's hard to kind of put them on one plane and say one is because uh, you know they're different relationships, they they carry different emotions, uh, the expectations in the relationships are different. So the reconciling of those relationships are are completely different. I'll say that forgiveness and reconciliation is two different concepts. Mm, yeah, uh, it's not combined. Yes, you know, if God tells us to forgive those who trespass against us. But reconciliation takes a lot of different aspects. So have I forgiven my abuser, the man who abused my body? Yes. But there's not a lot of reconciliation in that. Uh, one, uh, he he does not really hold to uh, the offense. He kind of ignores it or kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's very dysfunctional. With my mom, I desired reconciliation as much as we could. So there was another facet to that saying, okay, Lord, I want to forgive my mom, forgive and never see her again. No, she's my mom. I want to have some kind of relationship. Now, again, as I said, it has boundaries. It had 
uh, yeah. had it, its perspective, but there was reconciliation with my mom. With my abuser, I forgave my abuser. Now, what does that mean to forgive? It doesn't mean uh, forgive and forget. How could yeah. I ever forget? You know, it doesn't mean uh, it doesn't mean that you're letting them off the hook. If somebody abuses you and does a crime against you, they should be persecuted or prosecuted for that mm -hmm. crime. It doesn't mean that you forgive one time. Christ forgave us one time, but you know, David said, "I have to walk through the valley." And this day, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive, help us forgive those who trespass against us. That daily yeah. prayer, you know, help us to forgive. And, and it doesn't mean that I don't have to keep doing it. So there's a lot of aspects of forgiveness. Uh, and by me saying I forgive means that I gave them, I put them in Christ's hands and know that God's a perfect and just God. And I've no longer let the pain of my past identify my future. And I've severed that the ties from those lies that my abuser still had in me. Now with my mom, before she passed, I wanted I wanted reconciliation as much as we could, and again, mm, brought a whole nother yeah. factor to it. So it's hard yeah. to pick this one. It's hard to pick this one. Yeah. No, there's so many things that you said there that are just uh, I'm so glad I'm so glad you brought these things out. Um, you know, the, there there is this kind of I, I think religious mentality sometimes about the whole forgive and forget thing, and and the whole you know th there's this there's this idea that for me to forgive means that as you said i'm letting this person off the hook and that's not that's not true at all, no, not at all. and you know we're not we're not um you know for me to forgive somebody it's it's in a sense i'm 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 releasing them i'm not holding this thing against that person anymore but one one thing it doesn't mean that there's no consequences for their actions no, exactly and number two it doesn't mean that what they did was okay it, exactly. what they did will never be okay no matter no. it will never what just like what you and i've done it will never be okay but god has forgiven us and so mm -hmm. god be because of the forgiveness that we've received unconditionally god calls us to do the same because it models his character in us and so yeah. i think that our our forgiving others it's it's not so much you know it's not us putting a stamp of approval on what they did it's not us saying like oh what you did you know don't worry about it it's okay no, it's what you did was actually really terrible and it's not okay and it's never going to be okay, but I'm going to forgive you anyway because it because it demonstrates the Father. You know, I'm going to forgive you anyway because it's the life of Christ in me and it's my response to him even more. It's my response of love to him even more than it is to my responding to you. You know, Perfect. you don't deserve you don't deserve forgiveness, but I didn't deserve forgiveness either. So, you know, <laughs> uh, it's, it's about him, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and I would say this, you know, I think that for most of my life, I was waking up, hoping, praying, seeking that this would all be gone. What's the morning I'm going to wake up and this familiar pain, rejection, uh, when's it going to just be gone? And God's Shekinah glory is going to fill my heart. Right. I'm never going to. You know, when is that? You know what? I'm going to be honest with you, Duke. That day has never come. I wake up and the enemy still, not every day, not as loud as he used to. Uh, but there's days, bro. You know, there's days where that old familiar insecurity, pain, fear rises back. Yeah. Those old lies try to. So you know what happened is, is the abuse in my life 
the physical, the emotional abuse in my life, the mental abuse in my life. It was the Everest that cast its shadow on everything I did, on everything, uh, on the way I pastored, on the way I, everything I did, it, it cast its shadow on me. Mm. And I was, because I was waiting for it to be gone. But what happened is one day God became bigger. Even though that mountain is still there, God's mountain, God's grace, God's love, God's spirit, God's word is bigger. So now God casts his shadow upon even the mountain of pain that still tries to raise up, still tries to draw me down, still tries to steal from me. And I say that knowing how big that mountain of abuse is. I don't say it lightly or cavalierly. That was an Everest, but God is bigger. And yes. God is truer and God is deeper. So, you know, picture a shadow and that shadow just covering everything. But then the light of God now casts that shadow away and fills my heart. And there's good days and bad days. So I wake up saying, hey, I'm not perfect, but I serve a perfect God. And that past mm -hmm. does not have to identify me anymore. I, I yes. don't have to be a victim. I can be victorious. And I don't have to let, even though it was true, even though it was real and I was a victim and I got hurt and my body was ravished with lustful desires of sickness, of, of perversion, but that's not who I am because Christ saved me and delivered me. So the journey is one step forward, two steps, some tears. I love the altar because the altar just reminds me <laughs> that God's with me always. So, amen. Yeah, man. Oh, that's so good, brother. Yeah. The, the 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 enemy he's you know he's not going to stop right he's not going to stop lying he's not going to stop holding it against you using it against you trying to get you back into shame and fear and you know all the all the junk that comes with it right but i love what you said there about about the light of god just just outshining or overshadowing you know every fear every lie of the enemy the darkness that he tries to bring into our lives those things you know that that he just does to try to remind you of your past and try to get you to equate your identity and who you are with those things that were done to you and those things that you experienced and you know just trying to cloud your your mind and your judgment with with shame you know and and but but what you said is so good it's so real and it's you know what i i need god to i need the the voice of god the grace of god the forgiveness of God, the favor of God. I need who God is to shine brighter in my life Amen. than those things. And that is a process, right? And and the, and there might be good days, there might be bad days. But one thing that's, that's not helpful is, you know, as you said, it's not helpful to just pretend like, oh, no. because I gave my life to Jesus, like it's rainbows and sunshine and bunny rabbits and all of that and everything just feels good all the time. And, and, and that's it. Like, that's not helpful. No, it's not helpful to just kind of sweep it away and to just pretend like, no, this doesn't bother me anymore. No, like, like be real and be honest. You're, you're in a process of being transformed by the grace of God and by the goodness of God. Uh, but, but just like kind of recognizing that journey that you're on. I think that that's ultimately what, you know, what becomes was, really, really helpful. Yeah, amen. And, you know, we're talking to kind of on the other side, like where God brought me to. But I went through anger. I went, I, you think I, I asked all the questions. Why God? Why did this happen to me? If you're a loving God, why did I get raped every day? You know, it, I asked all those questions. Of course. I mean, I'm human. I, I have my, I have my, I didn't shut off my brain. 
You know, I was angry. I shook my fist to heaven a few times saying, where were you? If you loved me, why did I get raped? Why was my body abused? Where were you? Uh, and I will say this. When you ask God a hard question, he'll give you a hard answer sometimes. So mm -hmm. I wish I could say when I asked God those questions, you know, butterflies came down and, you know, harps began to play and it was an easy answer. You know, it was sure. a hard answer, but he answered me. And that's all I asked for was an answer. Why? All right, I'll tell you why. You know, because the people around you, uh, they were going through their own pain and they didn't know how to protect you. The enemy tried to sift you before you were even born because he knew I had a call on your life and wanted to destroy you before you were even born. He wanted to turn the faith into anger. He wanted to turn the hope into despair. He wanted to turn the love into hate. But even before you knew how to breathe, he wanted to kill you because he knew I had a plan for you. And that's what I really believe. My answer wasn't easy. My mom didn't know how to raise children. She came from a brokenness. Didn't mean she didn't know how to love us. It didn't mean she didn't put food on the table. But she was broken and hurt, and she didn't know how to be the best mom. She loved us. I was loved by my mom the best she knew how, but she didn't know how because she was broken. So when you come from brokenness, you know, it's like anger. Anger always breaks something, right? Breaks the yeah. door, yeah. breaks the windows, yeah. breaks the relationship. <laughs> Your hand anger hand always breaks something. And the enemy would love for us to be angry. You know, the, the mm. image of the devil being a lion. A lion never attacks a herd. It always attacks the stragglers. stragglers. Mm -hmm. And yes, anger yes. and frustration and disappointment, even for genuine reasons. Right? I was abused. I have a right. Uh, when you get angry and you push people away, especially God, especially, you know, people listen to us, two preachers. Oh, man, I'm not going to give you the time of day. When you push things away, you're a straggler. And that's when the enemy loves to attack. But God gave us a gift called the church. Not a perfect. Far from perfect. I've sure. been hurt more in the church than anywhere I'm else. It. I'm in it. So it's automatically not perfect. Yeah, you know? The Yankee fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew at some point. It took 33 minutes. I knew at some point you were going to shove that back in my face Come in back. the podcast. Come back. <laughs> Forgive those. No. No, okay. Yeah, forgive. Yeah, Father, forgive them. Forgive they don't know them. what they do. No. You know, so you brought up something that is a kind of an age-old question, right? About you know, God, if you're if you're so good, if you really love me, how could you allow this to happen? You know, in your situation, um, God, you know, how how did you you know why did I get raped every day? You know, why why did this family member die? Why did I get sick? Why did this you know why why do these things happen? And, you know, you talked about going through a season of, you know, kind of looking at God, like blaming him, shaking your fist to God, like, God, how did that happen? I think if we're honest, a lot of us aren't honest about it. But I think if we're honest, I think everybody has been there um, sure. at, at least once, probably several times, you know, maybe not maybe afraid to articulate it, but kind of at least with those thoughts and things like that going on in their mind. And, you know, as you were talking, I was just thinking about how. Even even God didn't insulate himself or he didn't even insulate his own son from the effects of sin. Mm -hmm. And and when we think about God, how could you allow this to happen? No, th this is this was never my will. This was never my plan for your life. 
even the Bible says, you know, it's not my will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so God's will, you know, some people have this idea that like, oh, if it happens, it was God's will. Or if it happened, then that means God allows it to. Mm. Well, then, like, let's not reduce God down to like our, our mind's ability to do simple math. And A plus B has to equal C. Like God, God wants you to experience his goodness. He wants you to know his faithfulness and his healing and his redemption. And the fact that there are um, people in this world doing horrible things, it is the result of sin. It's never okay. It's, it goes against God's heart of justice. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, and, and and the fact that God wants us to forgive these people is not a, a stamp of God's approval saying like, oh, it's okay. They're like, what you did is okay. Like, like, no, it's not okay. And there is justice and God loves justice. His word says, mm-hmm. and we can really anchor our, our hope and our trust and our confidence in the fact of God's goodness and his ability to heal and to bring redemption. He's so good at redeeming the most tragic and horrific circumstances of our life. But I just bring this up to say, you know, God didn't even insulate his own son from the effect of sin. Like God created, I mean, God knew, right, that Jesus was going to die on the cross. He knew that nails were going to be pierced through his hands and a crown of thorns on his head. And he knew all that was going to happen. Right. And he designed us the way that he designed us with pain centers in our hands and in our head and the ability to bleed and experience pain, knowing that his son was one day going to hang in that cross on our place and take all of that 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 guilt and that punishment and that shame and that physical torture upon himself. He didn't even insulate himself from all of that. And so I just think that sometimes like like, like just to get that perspective, just because something bad has happened, it doesn't mean that God had anything to do with it. And it's actually the opposite, that God wants so badly to 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 show you how how loving he he wants you to know his love and he wants you to know his healing in it through that thing that you've gone like i don't know if, um yeah like like he wants to redeem that that thing that you've gone through and show you his love and show you his beautiful perfect ability to heal you um right. through no matter what it is that you've gone through yeah, you, you said it very well and eloquently and clear. I I couldn't really add much to that other than to hold on to the scripture. In this life, you'll have many troubles, yeah. but fear not, for I am yeah. with you. You know, so I think sometimes if we get a, a view of a Santa Claus God, you know, if we've, we've, right. we've melted down right. our Christianity to Santa Claus and Tinkerbell, or, you yeah. know, we got this God who's just going to like sprinkle dust on us and do everything, you know, life happens and People do poor things. You, sometimes we do poor things ourselves, and there's consequences to it. And you know, I tell people my foot fits perfectly in my mouth. And, you know, mm-hmm. so you know, there's 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 all kinds of reasons. But God's with us in those places. And my faith never says I won't go through any of it. My faith says He's with me when I'm in it. Uh, that Amen. you know, He can redeem. He can make new. Uh, he can strengthen me. He can give me wisdom and strength. He can teach me through it. I grow and strength and mature. So, you know, I don't have this view of a, a God who's just sitting up there with a wand that's sprinkling <laughs> right. all kinds of good rainbows on me. You know, I got a God that says, hey, Mark, you know, sometimes you mess up and I'm going to help you through it. Did you learn a lesson? Or, hey, Mark, you know, these things weren't weren't because of me. They were because of the fallen sinful world and, and mm-hmm. people's hearts become so 
so uh, wickedly evil that they just strike out against yourself. But God uses those things to redeem his word. And, you know, again, I think sometimes I'm the least of these. Uh, I, the, one of the first things I say in my book is that God has a sense of humor because he asked the dyslexic, special ed uh, guy who graduated high school at a third grade reading level to write a book. Let me tell you, God and I wrestled on that for a long, long time. I kept mm. asking him if he was sure. You sure, God? Are I, you I, sure? <laughs> I, uh, you, know, you know I can't read really well. Uh, Lord, you know I can't write really well. And one day the Lord said, how do you do anything else? You know, and, and I said, well, uh, you know, you help me. And he said, I'll help you do this. One of the first casualties for the victim is your trust. You know, before I told my wife I loved her, I told her I trust her. One of the first things that was stolen from me was trust. So when they wow. tell me to become a Christian, they tell me, to, you know, you got to trust God. Trust, that's gone. That that I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even, you know, I have no trust because the last thing I trusted, in, I got punched in the face. The last person I wow. trusted led me to the slaughter. So, you know, you know, by faith, you can move mountains. Well, what's that mean? You know, what, what, you know, how do I put that into practice? You know, mm -hmm. and the Lord kind of put it in my life. He said, Mark, let's start. He said, can you move a pebble? Ah, of course, God. You know, I can believe for you to help me move a pebble. And, you know, for an analogy here, the pebble moved to a, a rock and the rock moved to a stone and the stone moved to a hill and the hill moved to, a you know, a boulder and the boulder. It just get bigger. And one day he said, let's go move, move that mountain. God, that mountain is unforgiveness. How am I going to really, you know, how am I going to forgive these guys? How am I going to forgive that guy who abused my body and locked me in a van and stabbed my side and punched me in the face? He said, how did you move the pebble? Well, it was you, God. How did you move the stone, the boulder, the rock, the hill? You know, it was all you. He goes, if you trust in me. But God, I don't know how to trust. Yes, you do. Yeah. You know, you trusted me. So it was those slow steps. And in, in those real practical things, you know, I like to hike. Believe it or not, I like to hike. And in the back of my book, I put trail markers because if, you, if you're on a trail in the middle of the Adirondacks, up in Vermont, Maine, New Hampshire, and you get lost, your phone's not working out there. you got to follow the trail markers. And if you don't follow them, you'll get lost. And, you know, I will die, you know, because I'm not, I might be, I'm not cool in the woods, you know. So, uh so I got to follow trail markers. And I think in the back of my book, I put these trail markers. Lord, mm. am I going where you're leading me? They're yes. practical. They're real. They're spiritual. They're sobering. You know, I had to get a, this chip. I had a chip on my shoulder called victimhood for a long time. The world owed me something. Sure. God kind of knocked sure. that off sure. my shoulder and changed who I am. So, Wow. Wow. No, it's just an incredible thing, man. I'm just looking at you talk and I'm looking the joy, looking at the joy on your face, even as you're, you know, mentioning these things that that were done. They're just so, so sadistic and heinous and twisted and perverted. And it's just like, like, that doesn't define you anymore. No, it, you know, it doesn't either. define you. It's not who you are. And, it, uh, and it's just a beautiful thing because that that healing and that transformation is available to all of us in Christ. I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, and I don't tell, I've done a handful of podcasts and I don't tell every podcaster this. When I go back to tell this story, I literally, it feels like there's a chasm between that part of my life and now. I literally yeah. have to almost think about it. Uh, wow. And I don't say that because I'm prideful. I'm just letting you know the process. Uh, 
because God's done such a work. I, you know, I'm far from perfect, and I know those scars still raise their heads, and those those fears still come back, and I and, and I have triggers just like everybody else that's been through trauma. But really, that's such. I look back and I go, man, that's not who I am. It does not identify. Mm. I went through it, but it's not who I am. You know, I got a lot of other problems, man. I got lots of problems. <laughs> we could be here forever. <laughs> Uh, one thing I, I did want to ask you about, Mark, is kind of the, the shame factor. Um, yeah. You know, so you mentioned and for, for someone that hasn't had any kind of experience like this, I think it could be difficult for someone to wrap their head around. How does this just go on for seven years? You know, how does how does this just happen? Like, you, you know, I'm thinking about you as a kid. You're trying to be a kid and live a normal life and you're going to school right? Like you're going to school every day, but then you're coming home and you, you already know that it's just going to be terror sure. for the rest of the day after you get home from school. And it's just the one, one of the most, um, I've had some conversations here on the podcast with some others that have gone through, um, you know, really traumatic, abusive, um, type situations as well. And it just seems to be a very common theme that, they the the victim tends to blame themselves and and it's something that is really kind of uh, a lot of times instilled in them it's something that you talk about um kind of being groomed right by yeah. the attacker by the abuser um and they do these manipulative things to try to keep you silent to keep you from uh, speaking out about it and to really it's just such a twisted thing but because the, it shifts the blame back to you to, to where you feel like it's my fault mm -hmm. and on top of the the just the innocence being taken from you through no fault of your own it's like not even just that it's the shame of like this is somehow on me this is somehow mm -hmm. my fault and mm -hmm. for a kid for anybody for an adult for, but i mean especially for a kid to have to walk through every day and just carrying that it, it's just it's such a it's such a twisted thing and it truly breaks my heart mark um that you know that people all around us are going through that and and it makes me think you know how many people around us are going through things that nobody knows about that sure. they just can't articulate you sure. know how many kids did we go to school with that maybe like how many kids was i a jerk to back in the day that like I thought they were not a very nice person, but who knows? Like maybe that's because something crazy was going on at home, you mm -hmm. know, and I just think that that overall just compassion and empathy and learning to walk and live with people and give people the benefit of the doubt because we don't know what's going on in their lives. Anyway, I kind of rabbit trailed there, but, you know, I did want you to just share a little bit about the, the shame and yeah. how that kind of began to how God kind of began to push through that and, and lift that off of you. Well, like you said, you know, I was groomed and that was kind of a new word that popped up. I heard in my adulthood it. I don't think we use those words back in the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. So I think I was again, I was that last generation where even the culture didn't talk about it. So now there's so much awareness. There's so many places that one can turn to yeah. counselors, coaches, pastors, uh, teachers, there's places that, and every, and there's, there's warning signs and triggers. But I think I came out of that last generation where even the culture, the adults around you, because everybody was keeping those secrets at home and it was kind of mm -hmm. ingrained 
in how you all process. So the abuser used that for their advantage, unfortunately, and groomed one. You know, as they say the old story that, you know, an elephant gets tied up when it's a small elephant, right? They chain the elephant to a, 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 a post. And that elephant fights and fights and fights, but because it's a child and because it's a young elephant, it can't pull away. So then it, it believes for the rest of its life it could be trapped to that post, even though when it becomes a thousand pounds, it could spin that post wherever it wants to go. But because sure, when sure. it was little, it was groomed, it was trained that it could never escape mm. that. So, in a lot of ways, that's what your abuser does for you. Um, you know, and now you do, they do tend to put all the blame on the victim. Uh, all the blame, all the trauma they put on you, it's your fault. And if you tell anybody, it's your fault. And if you say anything, it's your fault. And because this happened, it's your fault. So, yeah, they tend to point that blame on you. And, and how does one deal with that later on in life? You know, and I've heard terms, forgive yourself. And, and again, if you're in biblical circles, I'll tell you, that term gets, gets so debated, right? Oh, what does mm -hmm. it mean to forgive ourselves? I just wrote an article I put on my Facebook, and I, I said to it, is it forgive yourself or love yourself? When mm. Jesus was asked, what is the great, greatest commandments? A part of his answer was, love your neighbor yeah. as you love yourself. You know, it wasn't the whole answer. They had, you know, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, sure. and love your neighbor as yourself. God tells us to love ourselves. And he tells us to have a love for ourselves that will be so genuine that we'll pour it onto our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And I think that that maybe I was never told to forgive myself biblically. Maybe, you know, it doesn't say thou shall forgive themselves. But Christ very clearly in his answer to the Pharisee that day, he expects us to have a healthy love for ourselves so we can mm -hmm. love others. Yeah. And how does one love themselves? By loving Christ and walking in the forgiveness of Christ and in that forgiveness, you learn to forgive yourself. Amen. So, so yeah, I, I think the shame of that. Um, but you know, this you're seeing the end of a journey, or you know, I'm sure I hope I got some more years on my journey, but you're seeing that you know the apex of a moment. Uh, but yeah, I went, you know, I could only share it with a few. I had my mentors, I had my counselors, I had my coaches, you know, and slowly. It became a bit therapeutic for me to share to others. The book is not written in a therapeutic way. Uh, I think there's times to write it down. The book is really just a summary of my journey. Uh, but yeah, I think that for me, believe it or not, I'm a talker. I know, right? I know. Uh, <laughs> don't say. You don't say. But so, you know, talking's my kind of therapy. Uh, but I know, mm -hmm. you know, so it helped me to talk. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's great. Um, so how did it just practically speaking, how did it be? How did it look for you? So um, when you started to recognize that you needed to forgive, you needed to walk in forgiveness or try to forgive or, you know, whatever. How did it practically speaking look for you? Um, was this a situation where you were taking care of the forgiveness of of your abuser first of all just between you and god was there something where he, was he involved was he still involved at any 
point in in your life like i'm I'm, not, I'm just not sure about sure. you know sure. but what did that look like because sometimes depending yeah. on what the situation is sometimes we have to forgive somebody who's still very much involved in our lives and there's there's maybe conversations that need to take place and there's things like that sometimes it's not in our best interest it's not in their best interest they're no longer with us they're no longer living they're you know, it's just not safe to be around them. We don't know where they are, you know, whatever. And so it's something that kind of takes place just in your own heart between you and God of letting that person go and 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 what they did and all of that. But just kind of from a practical sense, what yeah. did it look like as you began well, to walk out the process know, of forgiveness? So I become a Christian. God's word starts penetrating me. I stopped arguing with it and started listening to it. Mm. And you get to the point, right? You get to those scriptures, uh, forgive or God can't forgive you. That's the way I heard it. You know, forgive or God will never forgive you. Uh, you know, so, so then that's where it starts between you and God. So my forgiveness really started with my obedience. God, you're telling me to forgive. Help me do it. I'm not emotionally invested. I'm not, uh, you, know, you know, I'm not passionate about this. Uh, I do want to do it because you're telling me to. And I love you, God. Because I love you, I want to be obedient even in this, but I don't know how, because mm. I don't really want to, my heart's not in it, and, but I want to listen yeah. to you. So it yeah. starts that, that very, like you said, it starts with you and God. And it starts usually with the small things and like anything small becomes great. So it wasn't like, Hey, Mark, tomorrow, I want you to forgive the man who raped you for seven years. Mm. It started with a little right. thing in the smaller yes. things. And trying to get victory, if you would, in understanding over the processes. And in that, and yes, was my abuser in my life, he was on the fringes of it. Uh, today, my abuser is alive, unfortunately, or if, however you want to look at that. Uh, his body is has is, is been taken by a mm, disease. Okay. Uh, he's in a, a rehab nursing home. He's lost his, facil his facilities or faculties, Faculty, that's yeah. the word. Uh, so... Uh, that's where it's at. We have no connection. Um, but in those years, uh, he was in the fringe of my life. Uh, and there was healthy boundaries there, uh, godly boundaries. But it didn't start with like, okay, today, let's have a kumbaya moment and a picnic. For me, it was, I'm being obedient to God. Where's yes. the emotion? Where's the hallelujah moment? There's none. I'm just being <laughs> obedient to God. Yeah, but don't you want God to tickle your heart? You know, I'm a Pentecostal. I raise my hands and dance, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's okay. I don't feel that today, but I'm being obedient to God. Today, this minute, this second, I'm trying to forgive. Ask Amen. me tomorrow. I may not be the same place. It's you know what, man? If I, if, I, if I could, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but no, I, I just no, want to say I, I think that it's those, those sacrificial things, right? Like those things that we don't feel like doing, we don't want to do, but we just, we do it out of pure love for God. And it's just it, that, and, and trust, you know, it, it requires trust to say, God, I'm going to let something go. That's hurt me so badly and so deeply for so many years. And I'm going to let this thing go. The only way that I can do that is through trust that he's good enough that he's worth it. Right. And mm -hmm. so I, I think that those things that making those decisions and yeah, as you said, it wasn't just the one day thing. It wasn't a kumbaya glory cloud moment. It was, you know, I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to make this choice to say, God, I want to walk in obedience. I don't know how 
yet. I don't know what it looks like, but I trust you to be with me. And I think that that willingness, I say this all the time and I don't really have scripture for it, like as far as like spelled out this way, but I, I believe it to be true <laughs> that, um, you know, if you don't know how to forgive, just like that willingness to just to be willing to walk in that forgiveness, even if you say like, I, I don't know, like, I don't feel like I have what it takes to do it today, but God, I'm willing to me. It's yeah. kind of like the, I believe help my unbelief kind of statement. It's like, God, like, I don't think I have this in me right now, but you said in your word that this is required of us and you can't require something of me that you're not going to give me the grace to do because that would make you a cruel God. And that's not who you are. So like, I'm just going to trust you enough to turn this over this part of my life over to you. I'm probably going to have to turn it over to you again tomorrow morning. But like for now, I'm, I'm willing to be here and I'm willing to be obedient. But you have to show me how I think that God loves that kind of stuff where it's a sacrifice, where it's just in his hands and nothing else. That's exactly yeah. what it is. You know, they bring a blind man before the, the Pharisees and they grill the blind man that was healed, right? They grill him. How? What did he say? What did he do? And what did he confess? And what did he preach? And the guy goes, yeah. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, right? I don't know anything about what you got. All I know is I was blind and now I see. And I think I think sometimes for me, I tried to put down what I know in the bio, in my book, Forgiven the Nightmare. I tried to be honest and genuine and real and not just write this hyper-spiritual book that just to really be genuine in it and speak the language mm. of brokenness. But I guess at the end of the day, I don't know anything about that. All I know is that the unforgiveness that trapped me for so long, the hate and the anger that had me hel held back, that 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 was my narrative, that was my mm. perspective, that was my reality for so long. I gave it to God and the process, the tears, the prayers, but I gave it to God and he has set me free. So all I know is I was blind, if you would, and now I see. Now I see. Now I see. It's beautiful. Amen. I got to ask you, Mark, what was it like writing a book with dyslexia? Wow. Humbling, <laughs> humbling. Um, here's what happened. Uh, you know, that beautiful wife I was telling you about, when she graduated, she had more colors around her neck than a Christmas tree. She had Latin and Greek words all around her diploma. And I, I got her on a bad day. She must have been weak that, you know. I she got her on a bad day. Nice. You know, I just feel you know, I'm like a fungus. I just kept growing on her. You know, okay. No. Is, and, she, a, you know, is she a Sox fan? It's a house divided, brother. Of course, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, let her tell you that the Red Sox were in the playoffs on our on our on our wedding night, and I finished the game. So uh, I'll just tell you that. So, um, you but got it, yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> but um, so you know, I, I write I write in Mark language, and mm -hmm. the one person that can interpret Mark language is my wife. And she took it to being legible, you know, like I just spilled on the page. And, you know, after about 50 pages, she said, you might need a period. You know, you might need a capital. <laughs> you might need a paragraph. So she took it and, and made it legible. Um, so, you know, she let me put my name on the book, but she's just as important on the book that I am. 
And then the Lord just started to put editors and publishers. I got a call from Mark Batterson. Uh, he wrote The Circle Maker. Cool. And, you know, he endorsed our book. And, and, you know, so, you know, God's a miracle working God. But, yeah, I would say it is humbling uh, to say, you know, Lord, help, <laughs> help. Yeah. But, you know, God just put the right people in my life. And, again, my beautiful wife really, really helped me out. She was uh, – she could have her name in front of mine, but she said, no, I'll let you do it. So that's so good. That's awesome. Um, and, uh, we've been of course talking about the book without really talking about the book, but all of you know, we've been talking about the story that's in there and, and everything, but, uh, but if you would like, what's just kind of like, um, before we run out of time here, what's, what's your plug for your book? Like just, just describe what the book is about and what people are going to get out of it. And, uh, I just want to say it's, 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 it's wonderful. It's excellent. I haven't, I'm not all the way through it yet, but, um, but it's, uh, it's a really powerful book. Um, it's beautifully written in my opinion. And, uh, and I, I just encourage people to check it out, but, um, but yeah, if you would just kind of give the, sure. The, an overview. Sure. You know, it's, a, I tried to be genuine in the book, but I also wanted to be inspiring. You know, because I'm a dyslexic, if you handed me a book of 5,000 pages or 500 pages, you know, 50 pages, I would have said, you know what? Too many insecurities are going to rise up. I'm not going to read it. So I tried to write a book that was to the point, that was inspiring. I don't try to say I have all the answers. I say, but here's Jesus. He does. And <laughs> I try to be real. So the, the compliment I get mostly is, you know, Mark, uh, you didn't write scholarly. No kidding. I didn't try. Uh, you know, what I tried to write was honestly and, and to inspire people that maybe have walked through the same things that I've walked through. My publisher said this to me. He said to me, Mark, who's your audience? I was like, ah. He said, your audience is always yourself. You're always writing to people like you. So when I wrote this, I wrote this so you could read it on a, on a trip, on a plane, in the bathroom, wherever you want to read it, you can read it. And I try to be funny. I try to be real. I try to be not, not overbearing. And I try to point to Jesus. So what I usually get is it's very inspiring. That's the word most yeah. people think about. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for that. Uh, where can people find it? Well, if you add now, you can find it. <laughs> uh, we're up on Amazon. You go to Amazon. You can find it. Just type in Forgiven the Nightmare. Uh, go to Amazon Books or Amazon. We have it. They give it in Kindle. You can buy a paperback version there. So Amazon's probably the fastest and easiest way. If you want to know more about me, you can go to our Facebook page, uh, Forgiving the Nightmare, or go to our website at forgivingthenightmare.com, forgivingthenightmare.com. You can order the book through there also. So, yeah, we'd love to hear from you and connect with us and pray one for another. Forgivingthenightmare.com. <laughs> uh, so good. Woo. I love it. Um, well, Mark, um, take a, uh, just a couple extra minutes here. How how uh, how did you become a pastor? How did that whole thing transpire? So you know, from uh, getting saved, I think at sixteen, right? And yeah, yeah man, I'm just curious about well, how you've been really, pastoring yeah, for a I, number of years. Oh right? yeah, I think that anybody who you know anybody I've ever met uh, says, you know, the Lord called me the pastor. The first question is, they run, say, not me. I can't do it. You know, and I was yeah. that guy. God called yeah. me and, I was, you know, I can't do it. I ran. Um, 
You know, my education and my academics was always the big fear. Me in Bible college, how could I do that? Long story short, I went to the school I didn't want to go to. Um, It was fundamental. It had legalism in it. It had uniforms. But it was where God called me the day I walked in. uh, After a long journey, I thought for sure the dean was going to tell me what every other dean told me. No, you're not ready. The dean looked at my transcripts, got up from his desk, called a woman into his office, and said, Mark, this is Sister uh, Sister Kruger, and she's here to uh, start a learning center. And I was her first her first uh, student, and it was the best wow. uh, four or five years, four or five years, four or five years of my, and I wasn't <laughs> a student, you know. In preaching, I got good grades because they wanted me to stop. But, um, you know. Because they I, wanted I, me to stop. Yeah. Just give me an A. Just give, give me an A. That's right. Yeah, hermeneutics <laughs> is fine. Just sit down. Yep. But, um. You know, I struggled and I took courses more than once. Uh, but, you know, it was a journey. And in that situation, in that crazy, mixed up, uniform wearing school, God started to shape me and mold, mold me and birth the beginnings of Forgiven the Nightmare that came to pass in my 50s. So here I am. Love it, man. There's so many things about your story that are so encouraging and inspiring. Uh, the, the obvious, right? Like the obvious of the the redemption that has taken place in your life and the healing and uh, walking through that process of forgiveness. Um, but the other thing that that's just, I think, really just inspiring about you is the fact of like you have a story where God called you to do something. God, God, God had a, a plan. God had a path for your life. That was very contrary to maybe your your quote unquote uh, you know talent or gifting or skill set or past or whatever. And God's like, hey, I want this out of you. You know, okay, you have a you have um, a reading disorder or you know whatever. What is that? Is dyslexia? Is it called a, yeah, a learning yeah, disorder, a reading yeah, disorder, something yeah, like that? Yeah. <laughs> if I'm using non PC terms, sure. excuse yeah. me. But you know, it's like you have the you know the, there's this. God says I want you to write a book. You're like, are you sure, God? But it's like this this process of learning how to trust God and how you know a, a, a few moments before you came on the podcast, you were telling me how um, you were you got invited recently to uh, be on the 700 Club and do an interview about your book and. Um, that's just, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing how the, just what God can bring out of our lives when we could no way do it by ourselves. And I just think that that's something that's, uh, that's just super encouraging and inspiring for anybody out there that is maybe in a similar situation, kind of pushing against God, you know, pushing back on something that they know in their heart that God has called them to do, but because of their own limitations or challenges that they've had or lack of resources or lack of support or connections or whatever it might be that they say, you know what, God, this isn't for me. This isn't going to work. Just lean into that thing, press into that thing. And if you would, Mark, um, as we get ready to wrap up, just if, if you I don't know, do you have a, a thought or two on on that, on just something uh, for anybody that's kind of in one of those situations, thinking sure. through that, feeling like their limitations are holding them back, what what's uh, something well, that you could say? You know, Duke. First of all, you made it sound a lot lot sweeter than it was. You a left more out all the, fighting, <laughs> all the fighting, all the wrestling, all the nose, all the lessons. Uh, I mean, Look, yeah, man, I went to school and I wrote Look, a book. I, I think I think that's how heaven remembers it. You know, at the end of the day. I think that's how I think that's how that's the record of heaven. It says, you know what? Mark was obedient against all odds, 
uh, with all the crap that, I don't know if heaven's saying crap or not, but you know, like with all the junk that Mark has experienced in his life, you know, it's, it's been like this, it's been a roller coaster. It's been up and down, but I think that, that God just, he, he just loves you so much that he's, yeah, he loves he's, he's highlighting your, 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 he's highlighting your victories and your successes. Uh, and at the end of the day, yeah. it's obedience. You know, Amen. There, Amen. there was a bunch of failures and whatever along the way, but, uh, yeah. 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 Um, let me just say this, Duke, as I think I said to you before, you know, the Lord has opened doors for me to share this uh, testimony and uh, different formats. And it's amazing. And in the beginning of this uh, process, the Lord reminded me, he said, Mark, your testimony is not your story. It's my story through you. And that's the yeah, way I always remember it. My testimony is not what I have done. It's what God has done through me. And anything that's good about this story, the schooling, the book, the victory, the peace, the joy, it's nothing to do with me. I'm a broken, messed up guy without God. Mm. And in God, I can have a peace that goes beyond all understanding. So, again, doesn't mean I don't have my hangups or tears, but my story is not my story alone. It's God's story through me. And I'll tell you today, if you're in that place, say yes. And I'll tell you, I don't know how God can do it. That yes is so big, right? I mean, uh, that yes, that yes to say God can. Many great things have been started with just the simple yes. A lot of times we need the bank account and the plan, right? That's what we want, the bank account and the plan. But God just wants the yes. Will you be a pastor? Yes, God. Okay, I'll take care of everything else. Will you write a book? Yes, God, you know, I'll take care of everything else. Good. I don't know. I don't know how he does it. You know, I, I don't got a big bank account. You know, I never got paid for going on the 700 Club. You know, they, they said, good job. I was like, okay, good job. Uh, but you know what? People heard it. And people got saved. And people got delivered. Mm. And people got blessed. So, you know, it, God will make a way. God will make, uh, and, and I don't know how. Um, you know, when you look back, you go, oh, that's how he did it. But that, yes, God's just looking for you. I talked to a guy the other day. He started a radio network. And he said to me, he said he was praying. And he asked God, God, why did you choose me to start this radio network? And he said, God said, you were the first one to say yes. Wow. <laughs> you know, he goes, I was wow. asking a bunch of people, but you are the first one to say yes. I love that testimony. You know, because God's calling us. If we just say yes, he will do it. How did I pay for college? How did I write the book? How did I go in? God just wants the yes. I I wish I could give you the roadmap. I can't, but I'll give you Jesus. And mm. Jesus said he is the way and the truth and the life. That's good. Amen. 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 Well, uh, Mark, I so appreciate your time, and I'm just blessed to know more about you and I'm blessed to know you. And uh, just again, it's an honor to have you on today. Uh, would you, before we, uh, before we go here, would you? Uh, I don't do this with with everybody, but I just, um, I just feel it <laughs> right now. If I could say it that way, uh, could I uh, just have you kind of pray us out and and pray for, um, uh, yeah, however you however you feel led to pray. But you know, maybe anybody that that might be dealing with struggling with any of the things that were that were referenced here on the podcast today. Father God, we just come to you and we thank you again for your love and your mercy. We thank you for your truth, Lord God, and we thank you for your word that says you never leave us nor forsake us, Lord God. Yes. And today we've, we've talked about a real God, 
a God who is the lifter of our head and the lover of our soul. A God knows where we're weak and where we're strong. A God that draws near to us in the midst of our pain and our mess-ups. And Lord, I pray today for anybody that's heard this story, Father, that can reflect it with it in any way, Lord God. Maybe a trauma or a pain or abuse have touched their life. And Father, they don't want a phony man religion, but they need a real God with real love to pierce the darkness. So, Lord, I pray you draw next to them. And, Father, you put beside them a hope and a peace that only you can give. Father, your word tells us if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we shall be saved. So, Lord, I pray today that those that are crying out will cry to a God, not a religion, not a church, not a not an organization, but they'll cry out to a God who sent the Son to die for them. They'll cry out and they'll believe that Jesus is the Lord and Savior. And the work that Christ did on the cross wasn't just one moment, but the grace of God can touch and pierce all of us today. So, Father, you ask us to come to you real, honest, Mm. as who we are. Father, because you are the potter and we are the clay. So mold us and shape us. Fill us and be with us. Give peace in the midst of the storm. And bring beside people that are hurting today a hope they can only find in you. We ask you all this in your loving name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, Thanks again, Mark. Um, Appreciate you so much, brother. And uh, one more time. Well, first of all, the book, Forgiving the Nightmare. Check it out on Amazon. Uh, Mark, mention the website one more time. Forgivingthenightmare.com. Simple enough. Forgivingthenightmare.com. Uh, thank you, everybody, for taking the time to check out this podcast episode. Uh, please do yourself a favor. Do someone you know a favor. Check out the book. Um, and uh, yeah, off, buy, one, buy one. Buy a copy for you. Buy a copy for a friend. Something like that. Uh, but appreciate you guys so much for your time here. If this conversation maybe blessed you, challenged you, encouraged you, made you think, or anything like that, if you would consider... Uh, maybe subscribing, sharing, or leaving a review. If you're listening to this on one of the podcast platforms, that would really mean the world to me. So thank you guys so much in advance. And uh, Mark, again, thanks, brother. Thank you. God bless you.